Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years have a plan and know the game be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget remember if you or a loved one has a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Hey everyone, welcome in to our Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick Maher today, live from Las Vegas, Circus Sportsbook Studios. Michael Lombardi with us, as always, from the East Coast. A little turmoil, injury news in Buffalo, Michael. Not what we expected heading into the week, but here we are, and that line is really falling in Minnesota and uh, Buffalo here with the status of Josh Allen up in the air. You know, Ben, it's really falling. I mean, I think it's, what, five now? Maybe going to four and a half? One book has actually gone to three and a half here in Vegas. We're at four or four and a half at this point. So even, even in the last hour, it's continued to drop a little bit. You know, when I was when I was at the at the Browns, Bernie Kosar, who was limited in his skill set, right? Bernie couldn't really run; he wasn't fast. His arm strength was average, not great. And he went back to pass earlier in the season. And Albert Lewis, or one of the corners, or Cherry—I'm not sure which one—hit him and hurt his elbow, and had the same mannerisms that I saw Josh Allen have during that game. And my my mind immediately went to that Chief-Browns game. And Kosar never was the same player afterwards because he never had the arm to make up for the lack of that injury. And I'm not suggesting that with Josh Allen because he threw a 70-yard bomb two plays later or something. So, But I felt like the way he kept rubbing it and kept playing around with it, there's something wrong. And, you know, nobody's saying anything out of Buffalo. I watched Sean, Sean McDermott's press conference just the other day. He didn't look like he was too happy. Now, they're going to say that yesterday I heard that they said he's going to try to – it's going to manage the pain. We shall see. I I think there's something there. This line wouldn't be moving like this if there wasn't. Totally agree with you. We had Will Hill on yesterday with with Mike Pritchard, and he'd already fired a bet on Vikings plus six and a half. He was pretty steadfast in his belief that it would be a missed game for Allen. Just to read the report from this morning from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network saying – uh, it is definitely an elbow sprain, the UCL sprain, which he has dealt with in the past, not believed to be a major, major injury, which means the belief is that it is something he can play through, albeit for this week, status clearly in doubt, and they held him out of his normal media availability. Uh, and you now wonder, Michael, if this was opening at eight or eight and a half at most books, how big of an adjustment do you make now if, if you try to figure out and handicap the drop-off from Allen to Case Keenum, who would be your starter against his former oh. team in Minnesota on Sunday? Well, well, first of all, let's just back up a little bit. The six-back attack's out of the question now. So you, you go into right. the game, and you're Ed Donatel, and you don't have to worry about the quarterback runner, which opens up a whole other bo- – whole other. your game sheet is now completely changed, right? 
You can play cover five on third down. You can do a lot of different things now. And it exposes the offensive line of Buffalo, which the Jets kind of exposed a little bit last week. They got after them pretty good. And so I think ultimately that's where we're headed. I, I, you know, when I went, when I put this game together and I thought Buffalo would have, would have been able to cover that spread last week. But again, they didn't play well in the fourth quarter, which got them. So, but when I put my numbers together yesterday, I had this game as a, let's see here. I got Buffalo as a, I had this as a 7.09 game. Without with the quarterback, with right. all the numbers of my numbers in there, and that that accounts for Allen playing. If Allen's not playing, I think this is a three and a half point game. And what you have to figure out now is a better right. Even if you miss that initial big move, it's moved now four to four and a half points from the opener. Is there still value there in looking at Minnesota, where you have to think, Michael, this closes two and a half or three, depending on because right now the books are basically splitting the difference. The news is clearly indicating towards him not playing. And it now gets back to the the issues you just talked about on the run blocking front, where as I look at the updated numbers now, having just been refreshed today uh, through the first nine weeks of the season, Buffalo, Buffalo, at least in the ESPN, the run block win rate, you can look at other you know offensive line metrics, but pretty much across the board, 21st or 22nd, depending on where you look. It's been the one weakness for a team that grades top half in the league at basically every category. So if you now take Allen out of the mix here and you're probably relying more on that running game, uh, how big of a concern would that be against a Viking team that uh, for as much as we've criticized their, their lack of ability to win games in blowouts by margin, still are a top 12 team defending both the run and the pass. Well, as you know, I, I go through it every Tuesday. I go through my 17 categories and <clears throat> And 19 categories, actually. And Buffalo's in the top seven in 12 of those categories. Minnesota's at six of them. Minnesota's in six between eight and 12. They're in the top 12 in six categories. And this is offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. And they're only weak in, in red zone defense. And they're only weak in incomplete passes thrown against them. So that's their only negative. So this is actually kind of a, a touchdown game based on the numerical value of these two teams, how they line up. And look. We know the Bills have no weaknesses, but all their strengths are tied to their main offensive weapon. You know, can Case Keenum throw the ball deep like this guy can to Diggs? Is he going to be able to make these throws? I mean, nobody's scared of Case Keenum. They're going to attack him. They're going to blitz him. It's a whole different game. It's a whole different game. And then Minnesota, you know, one of the things I think gets Minnesota quite a bit is they punt the ball quite a bit. And so because they punt the ball so damn much – you're always you think they're not having a great game, and yet in reality they they end up doing enough to win the game. Like last week against a guy, I had them last week, Ben. Mm-hmm. I had them as an eight point favorite against against Washington, that. and you say that's insane. But if they score that touchdown at the end instead of trying to just delay the game, they're going to win the game by seven. Right. You know, they they and if it and if it wasn't for the the pass interference penalty on the on the official, I don't think Wash I don't think Washington was going to score. No. It, it, you know what? It reminded me a lot. The flow as we're, you were looking back at the Washington Commanders game, uh, or I should say the uh, yeah the Vikings Commanders game from last week to kind of figure out, again, what we think in this Vikings situation potentially going up against a backup in Buffalo for uh, for now week 10. It was, it, it was a flow that reminded me a lot of that Packer-Washington game a few weeks ago where Green Bay's yeah. up early. They had ample opportunity to put the game away and just didn't. And Taylor Heineke made a couple of throws and all of a sudden it flipped. The difference was the fourth quarter execution for Minnesota was much, much better. Heineke this past week throws the ghastly interception to, there was what, like five different guys he throws the ball up to, intercepted by Harrison Smith. But how much, at least on the Minnesota front, Kevin O'Connell, his ability to manage these games as a coach, uh, have you looked at as, as being so much more of a strength than what Minnesota had in the past with Mike Zimmer, where they blew so many of these one-score games? Well, I think, too, when you watch the tape, Daniel Hunter's really good, right? And so that – I mean, he killed the right tackle for for Washington. I mean, he was a problem the entire game, you know? And so they're ninth in sack per place as a team this year, so they really improved in that area. Last year, they were the most interesting team defensively, right? So they were really good on third down last year but couldn't get off – but they gave up a ton of yards on first and second down. This year, they've obviously fixed that. Now, they've gotten better. They're good in the first half. They're not as good on defense in the second half, but what they really are good at is they they are efficient in terms of managing the game and handling it. You know, they're able to they're eighth in points per play, they're twelfth in fourth quarter. They're able to come back in the fourth quarter, so they do a great job in that area. 
And, and really, the only thing that you really worry about them is, and this is what gets them, is they're 24th in punts per play. So they never pass the visual test. You always see them punt, and you say they can't be very good. But yet they do enough to win the game. Yeah. It's amazing to look at it now. And from our from the betting standpoint, when you have the the stretch of six straight wins by one score, Vikings have been favored in every game. Had you been just teasing against Minnesota, as weird as that is to say, like if you're just throwing blind teasers, Michael, every week on the team playing Minnesota, you've cashed every single week except the Green Bay game in week one. Kind of wild to say that through nine weeks, you'd be eight and one betting teasers. Uh, I should say it's eight weeks because since they had the bye, you'd be seven and one betting teasers against Minnesota for a team that, as you talk about, ha- has been so good at being able to pull out these wins. I wonder what you look. I mean, it's probably going to be hard to tease Buffalo. You're going to be a short uh, favorite. You don't want to tease through the zero, but it's something I, I look at going forward and say, as much as we can rip the Vikings first, as you talk about a lot of punts, not really passing the eye test. I've started to come around on this team is thinking, all right, they're at least with the coaching, like going to be a legitimate threat. Once we get to the postseason. Uh, now sitting tied with Dallas here for third in the NFC odds board at about plus five fifty. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they're well coached. They, they have a quarterback who can make some plays. I mean, they get Hawkinson in there. He's the leading receiver in the game after showing up on Tuesday, right? I mean, he's only going to get better as he moves forward. And they're able to, you know, they can score. They're eighth in the league in points per play. So they, they, do, they do get some things done. They're 14th in third down offense. They can stay on the field at times. A lot of it comes down to can they protect Cousins? Can they keep Cousins upright? and not let him get skitsky, not let him get worried about the pass rush. And I think that's going to be the key. But I, I think Minnesota and Tennessee are better's nightmares because we know they don't look very good, right? Nobody, I mean, and, and you and they're like they're carrying a time bomb with them, and you're just afraid that this is the week it's going to go off, right? You know, like, that's kind of what I think everybody had that sense about Seattle, too. Seattle's, right. I know they're winning, but are they really any good? I don't want to get caught with the time bomb. I mean, the fact that they're a dog to Tampa Bay is a shock to me. If and you yes. just watch two teams play, <laughs> yeah. Tampa and and the Seattle, I, and you which team is playing better, it's not even close. Now you say, well, they're playing in Tampa. No, they're playing in Germany. Like, Seattle's by – that's why I never believed – I didn't understand how Seattle was a dog to Arizona last week. Was was totally with you on that. We talked about it on the Wednesday show. That was a nice little teaser leg for Seattle. But the, And that's been probably the biggest discrepancy in the betting market this week as far as even respected betters taking positions on both sides – where you look at the market now, Tampa was about a point and a half, two point favorite. Oh, the sharps are all over been, Tampa. And they've been getting bet this week. And really, you know, the big argument I've heard when you when you listen to why people are on Tampa the way that they are, it's if you just eliminate all the priors, and which again, I, I you know, you could quibble with should we really do that? But if you're taking all the prior data from this season away, you're looking at the rosters. Tampa is is better. That's the argument overall. But I mean, you kind of have to. I'm not to, sure about that. But, uh, I'm right. not sure I about that. I think Seattle's that. defense is way better than you think it is, and they tackle yeah. really well. Like Seattle's defense is tackling really well. And I, I, yeah. I, I we got to pick that. We got to pick that back up in the next block. I think we will do. That I'm next. not sure that logic's very right. Right, and that, again, that's just what I've heard in in the general, you know, the betting market from people who are on Tampa this week. We should uh, in, dive into that a little bit more because the money is going on to Tampa. We also have a, a lot of good, uh, a lot of fun here. The rest of the show, Harry Gagnon has always joined us in hour number two, and we'll get to our uh, our guest here in hour number one in a little bit. Scott Long out of Indianapolis. Uh, he's an outstanding comedian, and uh, boy, is there some comedy going on with the Indianapolis Colts. So, still a lot for us to get into. We're just getting started. We'll talk Seahawks and Bucks next on the Lombardi Line. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. 
All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. One additional note on that Minnesota-Buffalo line we were talking about last segment, Michael. Also, the total we should point out, that was opened at about 48. We're down to 43.5 or 44 as I update the odds screen right in front of me. And uh, behind me at Circa, they are down to 3.5 on the Buffalo side. So considering this is a day like Wednesdays is when the Westgate Super Contest, those lines lock. And tomorrow is when the Circa Millions lines lock. It's just, this is a, a big 24 hours, too, for the, the people setting the contest line. So keep that in mind if you are playing in the And contest. we're not going to – I mean, it's going to be hard. I would assume that, that Josh Allen is a do not practice today. For sure. You know, and, and look, the weather in Buffalo this weekend, you know, we've kind of went – last weekend was almost Indian summer, but now we're into winter. And, you know, the gales of November. Tomorrow is the wreck of the Emma Fitzgerald. So that really is the beginning for me of the NFL season. And and – it's going to be 36 overcast with 11 mile an hour winds in Buffalo. I mean, that's yeah. not, you know, that's not a problem for Josh Allen. It might be a little bit of a problem for our man Case Keenum. Just a little bit, potentially. And you'd think, yeah, that's why, again, not only is the total coming down due to the potential loss of Josh Allen, but also the, the weather as well. Uh, something you have to consider. We talked about this very briefly at the end of our last segment. We'll pick it up now. Seahawks, Tampa Bay, a game that has probably had the most disagreement within the betting market where you and I, Michael, we've talked about this over the past couple of weeks, feeling like Seattle has really been undervalued in the betting market. And you, you made them a favorite over Arizona last week. That certainly was a very prescient thought by you as they come out, win by, uh, t- by 10 pretty comfortably in the end over Arizona on the road. And you look at the matchup now, opens one and a half for Tampa on a neutral site at the Allianz Arena there in Munich. Now up to two and a half, and some books have started to touch three we're still, and at least at BetMGM, we have gotten up to that three-point threshold there. Uh, what's your number on this game heading in? I, I had this game as Seattle should be favored by two and a half. I mean, so let's just go through it, right? Seattle, Seattle last week. So for just for betters who don't watch the every game after a game, like I watch every game again, and I spend most of my Tuesday doing that. So. When you go back and watch Seattle play in Arizona, the score is 24-14. Arizona gets a couple things going, and it's a critical drive because there's enough possessions left in the fourth quarter. Remember, when you're watching a game, always think how many possessions are left, right? you you got to think mm-hmm. plays and possessions in the fourth quarter. So you know there's only a few pos- – so they score. Now it's 24-21. And now you're in Seattle's in a tough spot. 
because you, you're not going to be – if you punt the ball back, you could lose by a point. If you punt the ball back, it could go to overtime. So the, really the only thing you can do at this point is run the clock out. You've got to get at, – at, uh, under four minutes, you've got to get at least three first downs to win the game. So your mindset going out there is, A, score, but, man, we've got to get three first downs. And to me, Arizona knows this. So now we have the perfect scenario of evaluation. We've got to move the ball. We've got to run it or throw it, and they know they have to stop us. And so who wins that? Who wins that confrontation? And when you evaluate good teams, good teams always win that confrontation. The Chiefs always move the ball in that situation. New England in the day with Brady always moved the ball. You couldn't get it. Buffalo always moves the ball in that situation. Philly this year has done that. Seattle, too. Seattle moved the ball right down the field, went five plays, 80 yards, and put, and put the game away. Five plays, 80 yards. First play, 40 yards. Biggest play of the game to Noah Fan on a, on a submarine. Boot. You know, and there it is, down the field. And Arizona knows it's coming, and they can't stop it. So, like, I, I don't think you could dismiss this team. They're In the last five games, they're playing as well as anybody, right? Their points per play is seven. Their points per play defensively is third. I mean, their defense has improved tremendously. They tackle as well as any defense I've seen, and they are fast. And they're not even remotely close to what the Rams put on their field last weekend. The Rams were shutting it down. The Rams had them completely shut down. Brady was flustered. The play calling was horrendous on Tampa's part. Let's get that out there. But still, that game was the Rams are not great on defense, and yet they couldn't move the football on them until the last drive of the game. Right. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just think to me, if you look at this team since they lost to Arizona, they excuse me, since they lost to New Orleans, they have played very effectively defensively. They've they've created turnovers. They've stopped the run. They've cut down on their points allowed, and their offense has been great. And also, you think about Game State, and for a team like Seattle, where you wonder, all right, they look really good playing ahead of the sticks and playing with the lead. What happens when there's a little bit of that in-game adversity where you're down on the road? And you think about the game Sunday, Geno Smith throws just a ghastly pick six, probably the worst throw he's made all season, never sees the uh, the rusher coming, tries to you know, lob it up, and it goes the other way. Uh, so punt pick six to start the half. After that, Seattle goes touchdown, touchdown, touchdown on their final three drives before kneeling it out. You, it had to feel like, even though that's an Arizona defense that uh, has had their issues 19th on an EPA uh, per play allowed basis, that, that was a team that was top seven against the run, was figuring to take away that from Seattle, and the Seahawks were going right at that in kind of a one-dimensional game state going pass first, and they were able to make it work with flying colors, Michael, in, 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 the, in the final most important stretches of that game. No doubt. And, you know, Kenneth Walker can run it. I mean, you know, they're able to make play. They got receivers. I mean, they didn't even have Marquise Goodwin, who the week before was really good. He missed the game. And so yet, you know, Lockett came in and played well. They got Metcalf going. You know, he was supposed to be out. They run the football. Look, they are running the Rams offense back when the Rams were really good. Back when there was Ram, And this is the Ram offense that Jared Goff was running. And nobody wants to admit this, but but Geno's playing better than Jared Goff ever played in that offense. Pretty well. Some of the throws he made in this game, I know he threw the interception, but at, like you said, after the interception, I think they went on to score 21 points. Yeah, three for three and, and drives after that. I, so here's the thing you know, I wonder about this game, though, Michael. It's if you're looking – because I think we both believe Seattle is going to be able to move the ball on the Tampa defense, one that has taken a big step back defending the run. The big question is how much do you value the recent performance of Seattle's defense and, and the long-term numbers where they still are 21st against the pass, haven't been tremendous at, at getting pressure again on the season, even though past few weeks Seattle's looked much better in that regard – against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, where you know getting pressure is first and foremost the biggest key to slowing him and that offense down. How do you view that matchup going into, into this week, considering well, we, we believe on the other side Seattle will be able to move the ball? Uh, how does Tampa do that and, and match up against Seattle's D? I, I, I thought Seattle's D has, has gotten much better over the last few weeks. I think they can put pressure. I think they sacked, well, I think they sacked our guy five times in the game. They were really effective. Now, not that they're a great offensive line, but but he can move out of the way. Brady's not going to move out of the way. The fact that they can tackle is also the, a big issue. You know, they're covering well. They've got really good speed. This Jordan Brooks kid makes every single tackle on the field. It's remarkable. You know, so I I I don't know. I mean, other than the fact that they've got Tom Brady and they were a really good team last year, and we saw Seattle look so bad to start the season, like. 
one of the things that I've always said, and I've kind of violated this a little bit in, in my betting recommendations, is who's playing good? Yeah. Like, who's playing good? And who's not playing good? And I know Tampa won last week and pushed for a lot of people, but they're not playing good. Whereas Seattle is playing really well. You know, they had 24 plays in the fourth quarter. They were able to dominate that game in the fourth. They, they took it over. I, I just think, to me, you know, they scored 14 points on, on, on what, 20 plays, and they got 10 first downs. I mean, that, that tells me they're playing really well. And, and Arizona couldn't do anything against them. Arizona had the one drive. It took them 14 plays to go 81 yards. I mean, when you give up that, and they had six first downs on that drive. So you're not giving up big plays. Yeah. I think that's really important. And it's, it's such a simple thing, but as you point out, it gets overlooked a lot. And it's like if, if Tampa doesn't come back, if the, if the Rams don't go prevent defense on the final drive and just let them work their way down the field. It what, was one is, play, Ben, right? Yeah. It was the one play. I mean, they, they throw the seam to the tight end. And, I mean, if he doesn't have that play, where, they have nothing. That was yeah. the that was Tampa's longest play of the game. <laughs> Happened down the final drive of the game. And what's funny about this matchup, the two teams, Seattle and, and Tampa Bay, their two opponents from a, a week ago, Arizona and the Rams, they square off in a classic, uh, what, what do you do with this sort of line game? It's Rams by three. That just seems like a standard placeholder because nobody knows what to do with either of these teams. How do you not just tease Arizona up, Michael, and say, uh, Rams in this awful offense behind Matthew Stafford uh, beat me by two scores. Isn't that pretty much uh, the simple way to play this one? I don't know. I mean, I think to me, if if the Rams can't beat this Cardinal team, they just beat them once, right? They beat them before. You know, they got to beat them. I mean, to me, this I don't think the look. I don't think they're very good at all. I don't think the Rams are very good at all. I think offensively they're broken. They're they're running. They're running the Lions' offense with Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Remember that, Ben. All pass, can't run. You know, quarterback gets killed. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's... It's three. It, like you have to be a brave person to want to lay a full three with the Rams. You also have to be brave, similarly, to bet the Cardinals right now in any particular spot, not getting more than a field goal. So kind of between a rock and a hard place is better uh, heading into this week. When we return, we have the comedian. We're, we're excited to uh, talk with Scott Long. Does a great job hosting all Indiana bets. Talk some Colts with our guy Scott. He joins the show next. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. College basketball is now underway, and now is the time to get your copy of our annual betting guide. At over 400 pages, it's our biggest betting guide ever with odds, trends, power ratings, and analysis on every team. Our team of experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson and Matt Humans, provide their predictions for win totals, futures, conference champions, tournament teams, and breakdowns of all 60 coaching changes since last season. The only way to get the guide is to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Sign up now for just $99 and get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do all the way through the Super Bowl. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. I'm Ben Wilson, back with Michael Lombardi as we welcome in our first guest of the day here on the Lombardi Line, Scott Long from Indianapolis. Give him a follow at uh, Scott Comedy. It, it, speaking of comedy, Scott, uh, where you're at, those Indianapolis <laughs> Colts. Speaking of comedy, how about that for a, for a segue here? Because, like, what is going on <sighs> with this Colts team and, uh, and, and all that we are seeing now develop between the owner, Jim Irsay, and, and the firings and the hirings and, and everything in between? Well, the Colts are a magical uh, build of how you have a team without a left tackle, without uh, a game-breaking wide receiver, without a tight end for five years, without a quarterback for four years. So people were so over their skis with how this team is going to be, I guess because you got a $20 million guard and a $12 million center. So, yes, it's kind of uh, cats and dogs mating in the streets right now in Indianapolis. It's crazy town. And uh, we have the perfect leader for that. Jim Irsay, who every time he looks at Quentin Nelson, thinks, I could have bought 22 John Lennon guitars for what I'm paying you. And you used to be the road grader. And now you're the pancake. I mean, he's been laying on the ground. He's been, I would point to him more than the quarterback or anything, the reason why that team's losing. They cannot run short yardage. And if you look at his run blocking grades, he's the worst. He's like, he's below average in the NFL. And he's the top paid guard by like three and a half million dollars. 
Well, I think, Scott, you're right. I think, to me, the, all their issues as a team really start up front, and they start off with yeah. really being soft. And when Gooch was there in Frank's first season, they were actually a really good offensive line, and they have gotten worse over time. And I think that when Frank Wright looks back on his career, I think he, he put the wrong line coach in. The players aren't playing to the highest level. Costanza kept telling him he wanted to retire, and they never really listened to it, so that's an issue. But I want to ask you this. I mean, what do you think this – I've always wanted to think of things, what I call second-order thinking, like, okay, we did this, and then what's going to happen? How do you see this Jeff Saturday thing unfolding? And it seems to me like if he wins one or two games, Ursay's liable to keep him as the head coach. I think that's very true. I'm not even sure he has to win a couple games. Um, look, they're pretty much three games in many ways behind the Titans since they've lost to them twice. How are they going to get in the playoffs unless they win the South? I mean, the Titans have managed to even look good when they don't even have a professional quarterback because Willis is not. I mean, he's not. He threw the ball 10 times. They're protecting Vrabel's as good a coach as there is in the NFL. So I just, no, I think there's a lot of buddy thing with Jim Irsay. He likes to hang out with guys that are cool to him. I mean, he likes to hang out with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. You know, that's who he likes to hang out with. He's disgusting. They don't even hang out with each other. Scott, Scott, Crosby, Stills, and Nash don't even hang out with each other. They hate each other. They can't can't even get in a room together. That's so true. You know, I could get away with that with any other football expert except Mike Lombardi. Ben, I got to tell you, this is yeah. my my guru. I followed him at every network. He's been on more networks than like Ted Danson. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to follow him. He's had more he's had more co-hosts than Kelly Ripa, and the guy uh, is always there, and I'm always listening. I'm searching him out. I've got like a a detective. I'm like, where's Mike going to pop up now? Like Waldo. But now he's been a decent for a couple of years. So I know I even got the network. Not a, nothing against you, Ben, but for Mike, Michael. Lombardi, Thank you, Scott. So. No, no offense. Take it. Yeah, hey, no, hey, it's you, the truth. And if you're doing, yes, if you're going to make and a I music reference, uh, you know, you, you know that Michael's yes. going to understand it. That that's part of it. Uh, and so you, you mentioning the networks you're at, I know you, you were a writer a long time for, for Frank Caliendo, who's been a guest here yeah. at VEASAN. Usually, usually whatever Frank comes on, he ends up, he's the best. He has Patrick and Michael both uh, in tears <laughs> essentially. So yeah. we'll, we'll do our best yeah. that we're, we're keeping it together today. But so I know you, you've crossed paths uh, uh, with, with Michael through that uh, between Fox and, uh, and ESPN yeah. as a writer there, but you're doing a betting show too now in, in Indiana and you're getting to dr- like you dressed up as Jim Irsay for Halloween. I mean, tell us about that. That has to be, uh, has to be one of the more fun assignments of your career. Well, for 13 years, I'm helping write the sketches with Frank Caliendo at Fox and, uh, and also at ESPN when he was there, people used to always say, well, you write for Frank. Do you, do you write for Terry Bradshaw too? I'm like, do you think I could make up the stuff that that guy comes up with? No, I, uh, Frank's the most talented person I've ever uh, worked with, you know, so uh, it's been nice kind of being connected. But this is my chance to get out in front. I've been gambling since, you know, I was a high school student running uh, parlay cards uh, through the halls. So I got this weird little niche of comedy and sports gambling, and we're kind of an irreverent show where uh, we're kind of a gateway to people who want to gamble, but maybe they don't want all the analytics and all the expertise that you might get from that. We do that work, and then we're kind of funny with it, too. So it's been fun. One of our sponsors is Evan Williams, so we drink bourbon or tequila on the show. It's it's kind of like uh, very unique, I'll put it that way, and it's kind of a dream. I, I work, you know, I, I talk about football, I gamble, I drink. It was just like my college dream come to life, you know. I, I got to get Evan Williams. I got to meet him. I got to get him on the show for bourbon. You know, that'd be good. All right, so since you've got a betting show, and before you start drinking, Evan, uh, who do you like yes. this week? Who do you like this week? Is there anything well, that just jumps out at well, you? Besides Buffalo with the uncertainty that, that Josh Allen's day-to-day. Yeah, I, 
I would lean the Vikings. I probably would have leaned the Vikings even before that. They just seemed to close at the end. Buffalo's had a hard time with that. Last week I was five and zero in college. I usually feel a little more comfortable with college. Look at that. Well, give us uh, college. We'll take them. We'll, we'll take any good pe- yeah, any place you have. We'll listen. I love Penn State this week. They're minus ten and a half. They're playing Maryland, who's two and sixteen against top fifteen teams. And Maryland's best way of moving the ball is with Tua's brother throwing it. That's where Penn State shuts people down. And uh, James Franklin hates Maryland. That's his recruiting rival. I don't think he likes Loxley. They've done well. So that's my strong play on the board. Uh, It's hard to ignore when Arizona and UCLA have an over-under of 77 and a half. I mean, it's nice to be at least knowing you're going to be covering most of the game. And these kind of over 75 and a half, uh, I did some research today, 11 out of the last 15 times, those games have gone under. So I like those two. My favorite NFL play, Mike was talking about it. This is not really an analytical move. It's just more Seattle's good. Who would have thought? I didn't think at the start of the year, but I watched Geno Smith and I feel like he's been one of the five or six best quarterbacks in the NFL. And then you look at the weapons, the wide receivers are way better in Seattle. The running game is way better. I like the direction the younger defense has done. And uh, I like Todd Bowles, but Pete Carroll, who knows? Maybe Russell Wilson was bringing him down or something because in that circumstance, I like him, even though Seattle's playing at 630 in the morning their time. The only thing that has me a little nervous about that game is Uh, Tom Brady's played three times overseas, but that was with New England, and that was 5, 10, 15 years ago. Mike, you might remember, twice in Mm -hmm. London, once in Mexico City. They outscored their opponents 113 to 22, but that was with Patriots teams and definitely not this Buccaneers team. Just the eye test and the quality of uh, coaching that I'm getting out of Seattle, I'll take those two and a half. I love that. I do, but I think Seattle went over to Germany after Arizona, so I don't know if that 9.30 start's yeah, going to be in their body, right? I, I think so. I'm not sure of that, yeah. though. I think that's a great point, yeah. but I was told they were heading from Arizona to Germany. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Germany and spend a week? Uh, now, maybe that's a hard thing. I don't know. I mean, Scott, I, now, ben, I, will... I don't know if you've done the well, – not, no, I have not at least, but look, I'll give you credit. I mean, I think most people, Scott would think, okay, comedian who's doing gambling picks. He's probably, his, his logic is going to be yes. something like, uh, I went to Maryland one time and had a crab cake thrown at me <laughs> while doing stand up. So I'm, I'm backing Penn state. But like, no, you get that. Those are like really good points you made. So I, you got to give yourself some okay. more credit here. Ben's okay, going to so play that immediately right after the show. He's going over there right after the show to oh bet Penn gosh. state. I promise of course, you. Yes. Of course. <laughs> we we don't no, yes we're, uh, we're giving you far, credit I, ben i went further back into this and i was like doing some research and talking to a friend of mine seattle's the second most uh popular team in germany New interesting who would have who know who would have thought that so who had right. that did mike palm thanks scott that? he did not thanks scott, scott. seattle Penn State, those are the picks. Hey, Scott, such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Give him a follow at Scott Comedy on Twitter. We'll return final segment of the hour next on the Lombardi Line. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 
Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Make some midweek magic with Light the Lamp Wednesdays at BetMGM, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Place a $25 wager on any NHL player to score a goal on Wednesdays, and you'll automatically receive $2 in free bets for every score gold in the game, up to 16 bucks. Just log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM. To get started, then opt in to the Light the Lamp Wednesdays promotion to receive a $2 free bet for every goal scored in the game, regardless of your prop bet's outcome. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Again, a big thanks to Scott Long for joining the show here on the Lombardi Line. And we're talking, Michael, about all the comedic aspects of this state of the Indianapolis Colts. You fire Frank Reich as a coach, which, as you wrote about at VEASAN.com, that was to be expected. It was the move after that. And hiring a guy with zero professional or collegiate coaching experience in Jeff Saturday, albeit a guy who's respected, former head of the NFL PA, but still, how can you really expect that takeover to go smoothly when there's a staff now with zero play-calling experience on it as we head into this week against the Raiders? Uh, no play-calling experience, no leadership experience. I mean, what's he going to say to the team the night before the game? Go get him, Gipper? Like, <laughs> yeah. w- what's he going to do? Like, you know, and, and so what I don't think he understands this, too, is when you fire a coach in the NFL, we're not baseball. You know, the we saw the Phillies fire Joe Girardi. They hired a new manager. And they got to the World Series, and they finished, what, two games from winning the World Series. Okay, baseball's different. Same thing in basketball. We've seen an interim coach come in. Jock Vaughn gets the job at the Nets today. Maybe the Nets will turn it around. That, that, those ha- football, since there's only 17 games, the, the seasons are kind of like you kind of know where this is going to go. And so the staff, all of a sudden, instead of fighting against the opponent, they start fighting for survival. They start fighting for survival. And what we're going to see moving forward, and I'm not sure it'll happen this week against the Raiders, who's defensively not very good. You know, and, and everybody moves the ball in the Raiders, including the Houston Texans. I mean, that they were a seven-point favorite against the Texans, and they covered that game shockingly, although that was a lot closer game than the 10-point right. win that they had. So, like, I'm not saying take the Raiders and lay the six here, but I'm saying moving forward, when they play against – better defensive talent-wise, and they play – the number will not get baked in immediately because when you, re, when you get rid of a coach who was part of the strategy of the offense, okay, you got rid of Frank Wright. He was part of the strategy, and you replace him with somebody who doesn't even know what the strategy is. Like, you're down – now you're down two men. I mean, they fired Marcus Brady a week ago. Like, if they would have kept Brady for another week – and then okay now okay now you got a coordinator you got a young coach all right let's go, mm-hmm. but they're they're down two men with no help coming in, 
And it's now Parks Frazier, assistant quarterbacks coach. Raise your hand if you knew who Parks Frazier was before 24 hours ago when he was announced to be the play caller there in Indianapolis. Quality control coordinator before that. He's a 30-year-old. He's never called plays. Now he's calling plays. Uh, from a logistical standpoint, how does that actually work now, Michael? And, and just, you have, I mean, you have 40 seconds to get a play in. Uh, what, what can you actually expect on the play calling side with a guy who's never done it before and is now working for a head coach who's also never done it before either? Well, we, we spend too much time focusing on the actual day of the call, right? So we see these sheets these guys look at, okay? And every sheet is predicated, is, is pre-called. So if you were to see a sheet, it would say first and 10, drive starters. That's a box. It would say second and 8 to 10. These are five plays we like. And then it would say second and 4 to 6. These are five plays we like. And second and 1, these are four plays we like. Whatever. Okay, so... The play callers looking at that list that's predetermined, the strategy to go into the game is on the list. Okay, so once the game starts, it's fairly easy to say, okay, we're going to start off the game doing this. But when the game starts to get adjusted, when all of a sudden they're playing cover eight and we thought they were going to play cover three or they're playing cover eight differently than we thought they were going to play, how are we going to adjust that out? How are we going to handle that? What are we going to do to offset that? Who's making that call? Saturday's not Saturday's like Ed Orgeron. He's going to have no influence on the game mm -hmm. at all. Right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he if I hires Ed Orgeron for consultation. I mean, what do I do during the game when I have nothing to offer? That could be a title of a book, right? Like, what am I going to do during the game? Because he he's not going to go walk over there and say, "Let's run, let's run two forty eight pinwheel." He doesn't even know what pinwheel is. Right. You know, like so he's yeah. not going to be able to help anybody. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it reminds me of the movie Catch Me If You Can, right? Of course. Great. You know, where Frank Abigail goes in there and he's a doctor and he just stands back there and he says, okay, you, you know, okay. And he doesn't even like the sight of blood. It's, it's almost like I don't know how Saturday would allow himself to be put in this position because it's only going to be bad for him. I mean, I, I, I would never want to go play chess with, the, with a, a great chess against – you get embarrassed. Right. And it's now like, you know, you have, you would think he'd be leaning on the, the John Foxes and the Gus Bradleys of the world since those guys at least have the experience. But I know you, you would assumed, right, like one of those two would have been the natural choice to be an interim if you're trying to salvage something out of this season just because they at least have been there before. And so now, yes, as you point out, like if you're Jeff Saturday, you're, you're putting your reputation on the line as a coach when you've never done it and you don't really know what you're walking into. But what makes it fascinating this week is you're taking on a Raider team that has a lot of issues in their own right now at two and six, having just blown a third 17 plus point lead last week against Jacksonville laying six or six and a half. You know, I know as better as you say, all right, how can we, how can we fade Jeff Saturday in this new position to the max? But how do you really trust that laying a big number here with the Raiders when they've showed no ability to finish games this season? None. And one of the strengths of Indianapolis has been their defense. And you got Gus Bradley coming back to town. He knows Derek Carr, right? He knows what bothers Derek Carr. He's practiced against Derek Carr. He knows him as well as anybody. Okay? And so, like, that gives Indianapolis a little bit of an edge. You know? And, and a lot of it's going to come down to how, how interested are the Colts players in playing. I was talking to somebody the other day. I was talking to Bill. You know, we are talking about Will Anderson and how he really hasn't dominated the college landscape like everybody thought he would. Well, a lot of the problems with guys that know they're going to be top five picks in the draft is they don't they – don't, there's no real impetus to play. I mean, remember, Makai Parsons didn't play during his senior year. He went 11th, you know, and so it's hard to get guys to play hard when they're worried about next year. And when you fire your coach, you're worried about next year. You're worried about your health. For like, I don't want to get hurt in this disaster, you know. Now, if the coach is staying, if he's going to be here forever and I got to – prove myself to him, then that's a different story. But if he's the substitute teacher, what am I doing? It's a great point. Yeah. And but you think about this a Raider team now that cuts Jonathan Abram the other day, 2019 first round pick, and that's what, five draft picks over the last three seasons that have now been uh, have been cut already. Really, uh, Jonathan Jacobs is the one guy that uh, the Raiders have hit on if you look at it from the you know, the the, you know, the large uh, 3000 foot above perspective here. And so with the turmoil going on there, a team that has been really good. I mean, they've, the one thing the Raiders have going for them heading into this week, they've been good at stopping the run. Fifth against the run on that EPA allowed per play basis. 
that's where it becomes as much as you can't trust them to play a full 60-minute game, I wonder with Sam Ellinger at, at quarterback and a limited offensive line and Jonathan Taylor banged up, we're not sure if he's even going to play, where does the ball movement come for the Colts? And is this maybe profile as an undergame if what you just talked about, Michael, and the Gus Bradley theme coming back home is, is going to be true here and the Raiders struggle offensively? Well, I mean, the Raiders can't turn the ball over. I mean, that's what they can't do. They'll, and they're going to put pressure on Ellinger because this line has not handled a TE stunt the entire season. I mean, the first play of the game, the Patriots ran a TE stunt, and he was sacked for seven yards. I mean, it was like clearly what – and one thing when you're done playing Belichick, New England defensively, he's given you the blueprint on what you need to do to beat the team. And Patrick Graham is from the school of Belichick. He's going to utilize that. With a lot of movement up front, they don't pass games very well. And Ellinger can't see. If you get into the paint on him, he's too small. So it's going to be a hard for them to make a play down the field. They've got to get rid of the ball quickly. And then they've got a play caller who's never had to adjust a game. So I think that's a challenge. But what they have to do is strip the ball from Jacobs. They've got to play really good run defense. They did last week against the Patriots, even though that's not been a strength of them. Right. You know, they've played good defense against the Raiders, against the Patriots run, but the Raiders just have to get back to finishing, playing well over the course of the game, and they need Waller back. I mean, they're slow on offense. I mean, Adams is tremendous, but they don't really have – I know everybody talks about Renfro, but Renfro, if you watch him on tape, does not look like the Renfro from last year. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he doesn't. And then they don't have any – I mean, Matt Collins is a good alternate player, yeah. but he's playing way too many plays. They need Waller on that field. When Jacksonville went into the second half and basically said, we're not letting Adams beat us, Raiders ran 25 plays for 65 yards. And you saw like a lot of the, the weaknesses of the lack of speed. It was a big reason why Adams shut out at one catch technically, but for zero yards in the second half of that game. Can't wait to watch this one. I mean, there's so much going on. Colts Raiders, six-point line there for Vegas this Sunday. Hour number one in the books. When we return, we have a big hour number two. Harry Gagdon of the Against All Odds podcast joins us in about a half hour. We'll look at some of the big underdogs on the card this week when we come back. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. But the six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.